You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national. We cover down on all the issues, and like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is indeed the day. It is Friday. So hit the sounds, man. Friday. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations to all of you. You have made it to the end of a week. We are mere hours away from uh, go-home time. And, uh, yeah, blessings on you as you head into the weekend. And I'm hoping that you guys get a chance to uh, put your feet up. For those of y'all that work on the weekend, I am hoping that you still find time, just some time somewhere in there just to, just to chill. But, uh, hey, we got a great show laid on for you today. So 3 o'clock today, Stephanie Smith, uh, frequent flyer here on the show, president of the Alabama Policy Institute now. She's coming on at 3 o'clock to talk about some things that are trending towards next week's regular session of the Alabama legislature. We'll talk about that in great detail with Stephanie Smith at 3 o'clock. And, uh, Boomer, I didn't even say hello. It's all right. Just, we were you were just going. Were you going, feeling right? neglected, man? I just re- nah, I looked up and realized. I thought I didn't even say. I hello didn't feel to neglected. It's Friday. Hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. I mean, look how pretty it is outside right now. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. I mean, before I, there was rain going sideways. I know. Oh, there was. <laughs> I mean, like like power flickering and all that. But I know that uh, we also have listeners that are out of power right now. So, oh. uh, yes, if indeed if you are out of power, of course you're you're able to stream us through your phone. But uh, nonetheless, uh, there are a bunch of folks out there who are waiting for the lights to come back on. Uh, and by the way, I'm glad that we have our air conditioning back on. M- me too. <laughs> it feels good right now. You were a big sweaty man yesterday. I, just, I, was, I was a big sweaty man yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, we got the AC working, which is weird because it's March, but okay. Yeah, exactly. uh, all right, then there's that whole triple dipper thing. Hit it. The triple dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, uh, yeah, next week starts what I'm calling the regular special session. (laughs) That's a play on words. The regular special session. So what we're hearing right now is that not only will the legislature come in and convene as part of its regular session, but that it will very likely immediately adjourn and go into what they call special session, for the sole purpose of spending some money. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of moving parts for next week, and we'll, we'll break it down. We'll talk about some things that are there and some things that are just flat-out missing. But there is number one of the Triple Dipper, the regular special session. Number two on the Triple Dipper, didn't get to it yesterday, need to get to it today. So China is here. That's what I'm calling it. China is here. I, I don't mean like they're in the world. I mean like they're here in the U.S., China is establishing footholds all across the United States, and we're going to talk about how some of those play out and what they're doing and, oh, by the way, what's their purpose? So, yeah, number two of the Triple Dipper, China is here. And then number three, live free or die, but some new movement in issues related to the Second Amendment. So we'll talk about that. What, what are liberals up to this week? I mean, how is it I can repeat this segment so often? Well, because they keep coming up with new and novel ways to attack our Second Amendment rights. So number three on the Triple Dipper, live free or die. 
All right, hey, listen, let me move on to my comments, and, and, I, and I'll start off by saying this. A story hit the news wires this week that really caught my attention. So it appears that despite all the odds, despite social pressures, despite being located in the most geographically liberal locale in the entire known world, despite all of that, one small-town mayor may have actually conquered homelessness. How can this be? I thought that I thought that homelessness was an unending continuum to be fully blamed on the failed social construct of capitalism and his demagogues. Well, did the mayor throw money at the problem? Apparently not. Did he conduct social activist marches? No, he did not. Who found a solution to homelessness in his city, provide free drugs or demand soft on crime and no bail laws? Did he offer a guaranteed government income or better yet, just blame Trump? No, no to all of the above. It appears what the mayor in Coronado, California did was employ, wait for it, common sense. The city of Coronado. So the city of Coronado is a beautiful place. I've been there on military TDY. I loved it. It's just adjacent to San Diego. It's named as one of the most beautiful beach cities in the nation. It's also home to the U.S. military, big base there, and the place where Navy SEALs earn their trident. The rough size of Coronado as a city would compare to, uh, like, Trustful, Alabama with a population in the 20-something thousands. The politics are mixed. It's been a Republican base for many years, but in the last election cycle, Joe Biden actually won with 51% of the vote. And their current state representative is a Democrat. But the mayor is a Republican, a guy named Richard Bailey. And he was recently interviewed on Fox News, which is how I became aware of him. He was interviewed to describe how he hit upon a solution to a previously unsolvable crisis in the state, California, that has over 30% of the nation's homeless. So in his interview, Mayor Bailey said this. Here's his quote. He said, The policies that are in place at the regional and statewide level that are tolerating this type of behavior that is personally destructive and also destructive to the surrounding communities are really enabling this situation to increase throughout our entire state and throughout our entire region. So Bailey went on to explain that the city works with the police department and a homeless service provider to give the homeless one option, just one, only one option. They will be offered a chance to get the help they need to deal with whatever it is that put them on the street, or they will leave. You heard me right. They are told in Coronado, the homeless are, that they'll be provided an opportunity to improve their lot in life. But if they refuse help, then they will be refused the usual accommodations that are destroying the streetscapes in countless liberal-run cities, some of which are right nearby. So in Coronado, despite being just down from San Diego, in the same state as San Francisco and Los Angeles, the same state in which 30% of all homeless in the, in, the, in the entire United States reside, there are no homeless encampments. There are no drug use safety zones. There are no needle exchanges. They offer folks a hand up with mental counseling, mental health counseling, job searches, drug addiction rehab. But if they won't take the help, they are told to leave. So what the mayor just described is a politician just simply making his community better through the simple application of good old common sense. The mayor wrapped up his interview by saying this, quote, the fact of the matter is there. Although there are a myriad of reasons that end up, that people end up homeless, they eventually fall into just two camps, those that want help and those that do not want help. And if those that are refusing to get help are in our community, they shouldn't be granted additional, the additional ability to break the laws, such as tent encampments on the sidewalk or urinating or defecating in public. And it, and it works. The San Diego Regional Task Force on Homelessness collects data on the subject from all of its surrounding metro areas and reports that Coronado, 
only listed one homeless person within its city limits, but the mayor says that person fortunately got the help they needed and is no longer on the streets. Just wow. This, to me, is a clear indication that it is still possible to have common sense in our politics at, at every level. I mean, what if all of our elected officials move towards solutions with the same level of common sense? Think about it, like at the national level. Doesn't it stand to reason? Doesn't it make sense that if you, I don't know, let's say, take one. If you attack the oil and gas industry, you shut off their capacity to invest in what they do best, which is namely drilling for oil and gas, that the price of the pump might go up? Huh. Common sense. Or what about this one? If you tell the world that you know that vaccine mandates might not be constitutional, but you're going to do it anyway. And in so doing, you begin to deny in blanket fashion the legal rights of your men and women in the military to have their case-by-case review of requests for religious accommodation. Maybe, just maybe that might have a negative impact on recruiting and retention. Huh, common sense. But let's bring it down home. What if you're the Republican governor of a state like Alabama with a Republican supermajority in the legislature and you have a huge budget surplus in a down economic environment? And oh, by the way, every other state around you has enacted some meaningful tax reform without suffering any crushing economic side effects. Maybe, maybe just maybe you should consider giving something back to your citizens. Common sense. While we're on the leadership of Alabama, if you're consistently in the bottom rung of education rankings despite having 10 years of increased budgets and pay raises, maybe, I'm just saying maybe, there's a better way to do education policy. You know, common sense. How about this one? What if the mayor of what was the largest city in the state of Alabama when he took office? What if that mayor decides to make the legalization of marijuana one of his stated objectives? He even goes so far as to issue blanket pardons for criminal drug offenses dating back three decades. Over 15,000 blanket pardons. Maybe, maybe just maybe, the biggest city in the state will then drop in population and economic development will decline. Despite the fact that just the opposite is happening one hour to his north in what is now the biggest city in the state of Alabama. Common sense. Now, I understand that there's political agendas and the ideological persuasions on both sides of the aisle will be different. There will be differences of opinion on how to handle certain circumstances. But in the end, it's the results that matter. And the mayor of Coronado, he may not be right on everything, but on that thing that everyone else in his state is getting wrong, he's getting it right. Politicians at every level would do well to heed the fact that what he is doing is not rocket science. It does not take an Ivy League doctorate in public administration to figure it out. It is just common sense. And what we're seeing across the board is that common sense should be allowed to dictate more in our politics than it's often allowed to do. Just good old common sense, which is unfortunately all too uncommon. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. There you have it. Common sense. My gosh. What am I asking for? Just like common sense. And this mayor of Coronado, what a cool story. Literally, no homeless on his street, no encampments, despite the fact that he lives next door to San Diego, right down the way from San Francisco and Los Angeles. I'm just saying, apparently common sense actually works. Maybe more elected officials should pay attention. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Right Side Radio, we are back. You, you hit me with that one. I didn't know that was coming, but then I had to, I had to do the how-hows with it. I mean, ZZ Top, man, how cool. Oh, yeah. All right. We, we got the best bump music in all of radio. I'm just saying. We got them all. We got it all. <laughs> you, you have too much fun with the bumps, too. I, I do. <laughs> I do. So last night, last night after the show, it's like, Boomer's got some new bumps, wants me to proof them. We're like you had like five hundred. <laughs> we we had so many. We of sat them. there just playing music forever. <laughs> uh, that's all right. I like it. Got got some. Well, that was Clapton, the first one you had on the outro, right? Yeah, that and was then, Clapton. Mm-hmm. And then ZZ Top brought us back in. Yeah. What else you got in the hopper, man? What? I guess I guess you'll just have to see what's see what's coming today. You don't want to bait that hook. You don't want to tell me what's going on. Yeah, it'd be more fun to see the reactions. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, hey, we got a we got a great day lined up for you. Uh, appreciate all of y'all being a part of it. I'm hoping things are well. If, if there's anybody out there uh, with issues related to storm damage, or you see roads that are backed up or whatever, send us a text on the text line. We'll make sure the whole world knows it. But the number is eight three three six eight seven four 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 eight. That's eight three three six eight right, and that is a call and or text line. So uh, you can you can do it. By the way, if you're texting in for the very first ever time, which a bunch of people did yesterday, I mean, Lord, remember we we're adding oh, new people every day. Every day. Can that system hold like tons and tons? Tons and uh, okay, so infinity, I believe. We're not going to wind up capping out. No, sometime. no, no. Everybody can join. All all the people. All y'all. <laughs> all y'all. Ali Ali Income Free. All y'all can text on in at eight three three six eight seven four 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 eight. You got some info. You got some commentary. Tell us what it is, and uh, and yeah, we'll we'll we'll. By the way, what we need to know is you'll type the word your very first time you do it. Just send the word right side to the number eight three three six eight seven four 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 eight, and you send the word right side. You'll get a response back that says something along the lines of "Hey, you right side ruffian, welcome to the show." Yada yada, and then we'll just want to know your first name and where you're from. So, like right now, I see I've already got a text from John from Huntsville. Of course, I do. John's our one of our daily texters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chappie from Madison, David from Huntsville, JT from Lacey Springs. I'm looking at this text. Some of these go back to yesterday, though. But um, Lonnie from Huntsville, Ike from Somerville. Uh, we got folks from all over God's Half Acre. Mm-hmm. Um, we got even people in Tennessee. Oh man, yeah, yeah, South Carolina, Hawaii. Oh yeah, Hawaii. racing, yeah, racing from Hawaii. If you're listening, brother, hope you're doing well. Um, but yeah, and then. But on top of that, I'll be honest, what's, what's kind of cool is this show This show is definitely not in a box. Man, we're all over the place. All uh, over. <laughs> all over the place. So uh, the, the right side multiverse, we like to say, uh, has expanded. So, so not only do we spend three hours a day broadcasting live uh, over half the state of Alabama and parts of neighboring states, but we also podcast the show. So if you hear a segment or you miss a segment uh, and you want to repeat the opportunity – or you want to send a clip to somebody, you can go to any podcasting format known to man. You should be able to type in Right Side Radio. Right Side's one word, Right Side Radio, and you'll find us. And there we is. And, uh, and so, yeah, you can, you can, you can do that. Um, the, the podcast world, though, has grown because uh, not only do we have the Right Side Radio podcast, which now has what, Boomer? I'm going I'm to I'm guess. 122,300. Ooh, good guess. And we are, oh, so close to that. What was it? 122.2. Oh, I was, 
Man, you, you were close. I was spanking it. <laughs> so over 122,000 downloads of the show in the podcast form, of which our second biggest audience is still California. Yes, it we is. We love you, California. You just hang on out there in the left coast. We're just we're rooting for you, and if we can get out there and do something for you, we will. Uh, and then on top of that, though, you now have the Right Life podcast with Boomer Ooh, and McQueen. Yes. It comes out with two episodes a week. Two episodes a week on Wednesdays. Sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and you've got you've got a ton of people already grabbing hold of that one. We do. It's uh, th- thanks for everyone for listening. It's it's been uh, it's been a fun time, and we just enjoy doing it. Well, it's <laughs> y'all are a hoot doing it too, which is what's kind of cool. It's obvious you enjoy it. How about that? Uh, <laughs> yes. Hey, we got a new texter, Greg from Harvest. Greg from Harvest. Hello, Greg. Thank from you, Harvest. Greg. Appreciate you. Uh, and then Amanda from Decatur just texted in. She says that uh, Decatur Owens Crossroads Post Office has no power. Uh, just trying to save folks a trip. So, okay, if you're out no one's crossroads needing to go to the post office, uh, not a good time for it. Um, anyway, there's that. Um, that's Amanda from Decatur talking about the Owens Crossroads post office. How about that? All right. I hope that I means she's like there's no power all the way from Owens Crossroads to Decatur. Ooh. That's a big span. Um, next week, by the way, Governor Ron DeSantis in the state of Alabama. That's going to be interesting. Uh, more to come on that, but he is going to be speaking at the Alabama Republican spring dinner. Um, and that will be, uh, they actually had to move the venue to get a bigger site because the demand for tickets was so high. If you want to know more about that? Uh, they're online, I believe right now, and they still have some available, uh, at Alabama Republican party's uh, website. You can check them out. All right. Lots more where that came from. We're going to come right back with the first part of the triple dipper. Talk about the regular special session, the regular special session. <laughs> Um, what I'm saying there is next week, Alabama's House and Senate goes into session. Tuesday night, I believe, the governor will deliver her state of the state address. And all of that will swirl into play what we believe will be somewhat of an agenda. Maybe. Will there be an agenda? I don't know. This is the most mm, kind of feckless entrance into a session that I've ever seen. Like, what are y'all planning to do when you get there? Don't know. Ain't nobody saying nothing, which I get, I get my, my, so first of all, my red flags start flying. Are they being quiet because they don't want us to know? Are they being quiet because they don't know? (laughs) We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And 
We are back to Williams Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about we go way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Why do I say Mississippi like that? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, uh, hey, uh, uh, some of y'all are texting already with um, issues related to outages, uh, power outages. That storm that came through was uh, pretty significant. John from Huntsville says Huntsville Utilities needs to get his power back on. Okay, John, where are you? Just, you know, uh, but, um, but I do know this. Huntsville Utilities, you can actually go on their Facebook page, report an outage. They'll respond back to you personally. Um, I've seen that happen many times, so uh, be aware. And if I get something from Huntsville Utilities, I will let you know. Uh, we got a new texter, Nate from Newmarket, is already in the line. Uh, Boomer's plugging him in right now. Uh, Amanda from Decatur says, can you talk about, well, I'll talk about something if my text line comes back up. Can you talk about the gun laws they're trying to pass sometime? Amanda, did you not hear my triple dipper? <laughs> Number three of the triple dipper today is live free or die, talking about um, uh, the issues related to Second Amendment infringements that are happening left and right right now. Not the least of which, by the way, is the fact that um, if I had a Discover card, I'd get rid of it right now. But the uh, the Discover card is going to be the very first credit card out there to report gun sales. And I don't like it. So there's that. Uh, yes, Amanda, so you, to answer your question, absolutely. I will be uh, dealing with uh, gun laws uh, here today on the show, assuming I can get all the way through my entire triple dipper, which is not always a given. I mean, I make no guarantees. John from Huntsville will probably give me a C-plus if I don't get the whole triple dipper done today, but nonetheless. Um, Rita from Scottsboro uh, texted in, said Shears Road in Madison is half blocked because of downed trees and power lines. Avoid that if possible. Well, how about that? Um, she said it's, it's from, I'm, I'm trying to read this right, Seegers Road to about a mile from Alabama 20. So there you go. There's, there's roads in Madison. Just be aware. Shears Road is what she says it's called. I'm not familiar with Shears personally, but uh, anyway, Shears Road in Madison blocked because of downed trees. So be 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 advised. All right, hey, listen, uh, we're going to move into the uh, into the dipper here. Um, oh, actually, you know what? Huntsville Utilities just sent me something. Hang on a second. How about that? We have listeners at Huntsville Utilities. Huntsville Utilities says uh, latest update uh, we sent out to the media. Um, they don't have an ETA yet on specific restorations, but crews are working to have service restored as quickly as possible. I understand that. And their update is uh, they have 21 utility poles down, nine utility poles damaged, but not down. 44 power lines are down. Crews are working right now nonstop until they get everything back in place. It appears they have a total number of about 10,000 customers who are without power, which was 25,000 about an hour ago. So, all right. Good on you, Huntsville Utilities. Thank you very much. Appreciate you listeners. And I just made the announcement. Let me just let me just thank them. All right. I'll say thank you. Got it. Bam. Technology is amazing. Um, that's the power of this show, too, by the way. As I speak, text messages come flooring in, floating in. Flo anyway, uh, Dylan from Athens. I, I may do the whole half hour just on uh, updates. <laughs> Dylan from Athens says, uh, I-65 southbound is blocked by downed trees between the Athens exits. Okay, yeah, I know where that is. That's uh, In fact, the studio is right up there. Uh, our WVNN uh, studio, uh, part of our syndication family. Uh, WVNN's uh, 770 AM, 92.5 FM is right there off of one of the a Athens exits. And so, yeah. 
Anyway, 65 southbound blocked in part by trees. Be careful. That was some serious straight line winds that came through too, bud. I mean, we could see it here where we are. And by the way, it's beautiful now. It's like gorgeous. Yeah. The birds are chirping. I'm just saying. <laughs> just I'm looking out Great. the window at the, at the beautiful golf course that we get to stare out at every day, even though Boomer and I don't play golf. Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Number one of the Triple Dipper, the regular special session. Here's some things you need to know about what's about to happen next week because things are going to start moving next week and it's going to impact your life. Phil, what did you just say to me? I said things are going to happen next week. It's going to impact your life. So number one, the House and Senate, the Alabama legislature, goes into session on Tuesday. Tuesday evening, as per the norm, the governor... Kay Ivey, Governor Ivey will deliver her State of the State address. I've been to multiple State of the State addresses. Sometimes they're interesting. I sat up on the dais once with the, with the governor, um, uh, as, he, as Governor Bentley did his uh, State of the State. But, yeah, so sometimes uh, there's the occasional, like, news flash. That, we didn't know that was coming, and the governor said it in the speech. Other times it's just kind of perfunctory, and you're waiting to hear. But so – Right now, what we're, what we're not seeing out of the governor's office is what I would call an agenda. Where is she, by the way? I mean, she's, she's hardly been visible here in recent weeks. Um, I did see she planted a tree on the governor's, I mean, on the uh, Capitol grounds with uh, a, a group of high school students for Arbor Day. I'd forgotten all about Arbor Day. But she planted a tree. Okay. But I've, I've not been seeing a lot in terms of public appearances, making public statements. Uh, trying to prepare the way for a legislative agenda coming into this uh, regular session of the legislature. Where, where is she? Um, that being said, she will be present Tuesday night to deliver her state of the state address in the old house chamber, which by the way, let me just encourage you guys. Uh, while I may take issue occasionally with things that happen in Montgomery, let me just point out, I love, um, I, I love state government. It, it, it's a passion for me. Uh, I, I spent eight years down there in Montgomery. I remember one time uh, the pro tem, Greg Reed, and I, a good friend of mine, we were walking down the street, and I looked over and I saw the Capitol, and there was kind of a beautiful day with those Capitol dome, uh, you know, superimposed over a blue sky. And I looked at him and I said, I hope I never get tired of this. Because the day that I quit seeing those kind of things and taking them as being special is the day that I've just become very jaded and I'm no longer paying attention. Um, so, so don't ever mistake, by the way, don't ever mistake me critiquing something that they do as in any way um, denigrating their service or, for that matter, uh, believing that uh, we don't need government. There are aspects of governance that have to have, they're biblical. Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. He didn't say, don't pay Caesar a dime because he doesn't need to be in government. He didn't say that. It, it, it's scriptural that, that, that authority is established. All right, that being said, authority can also screw up. And accountability in the democratic government is the people. So next week, they convene. Every year, the legislature can only get together one time. It's called the regular session. If you're not familiar with how this works, just understand, when you, when you talk about your House and Senate members, they can't go down there and enact laws whenever they feel like it. They can't. They are only allowed to convene for the purpose of enacting the laws once per year with the exception of Every four years, they have a very brief three-day window called the organizational session. That's where they ele elect their leadership and that kind of and assign committees. But they don't pass laws during that. They just they just 
they take care of some administrative work. They come in for the regular session once a year. They have a very limited amount of time to work in, and the way they typically stage it, I mean, we go down there, and we'll be there. When I was in the legislature, I mean, we, we called it my full-time, part-time job. When we were in session, I was gone for three days, a week. And, and you go down there on Tuesday, you come back on Thursday, generally speaking. Now, sometimes you go in on Tuesday. We call it going in. Going in on Tuesday means you're actually in the chamber able to vote or, you know, deal with legislation or debate on the floor of the Senate. Wednesday was then reserved for committees. Committees meet all day long, depending on how many committees you were on. And I chaired and vice chaired multiple committees and sat on several more. There were times when I would go in, I'd have a, a, one of my own bills in the House. I'd have to go downstairs, uh, uh, present it to a committee in the House, come back upstairs, chair my own committee, walk down the hall, sit on another committee, go back to my office for a half an hour to meet with constituents, walk down the hall to another committee, and then have a bill on the floor that evening. You know, so th- it can happen. But Wednesday is, generally speaking, just committee days in Montgomery. And then Thursday, they're back in the chamber again for, depending upon how long they got, I mean, whatever they got on the agenda. Some weeks it's light. Some weeks it is, like, super heavy. We had all-nighters down there. I mean, don't think they go down there and frolic. No, I mean, there's, there's times when it's, it's slow because you don't have as much to deal with. Other days, though, you're there until the cows come home. Well, one of the things that's missing right now, though, is an agenda. So right now, coming into this particular session, we have 37 new lawmakers, 37. There's only 135 total, 140, I'm sorry, 140 total. So out of 140, you've got 37 that are new. I mean, you're literally looking at roughly a third of the legislature is brand spanking new, still trying to figure out where the bathrooms are in the statehouse, still trying to figure out when they say a committee room, which floor is that on? I mean, it's a a weird building too, by the way. It's like a, like a, some kind of a rat maze. I mean, <laughs> after a while, you get used to it. But pretty soon, you're running down this stairway, going down the hallway, getting on the next elevator, going up to the next floor, coming down the hallway again. And then you realize you got a shortcut. You can run through that room to get to the one you need. Anyway, it's nuts. But these lawmakers are all brand new. They're coming into a session. And, and to my knowledge, we have not seen an agenda. Um, when I say that, it doesn't mean that you know every bill. I mean, you get, you get literally thousands of bills we call it dropped in. So here's some of the language of the session. Dropped in just in, basically means a bill's been introduced for consideration. Sometimes they get dropped in and they go nowhere. They get dropped in and they get its first reading on the floor of either the House or the Senate. They get a first reading and that's literally they take the bill and the clerk of the, of the House will or the House of the Senate will actually read the introduction to the bill and say what committee it's being assigned to. So the bill's dropped in on day one. The quickest it can get to a committee is day two, but generally not. And the quickest it can get a second reading when it has to come back reported out of committee is the, the third day. So you might get a bill literally in the system and, and, and to the point where the legislature can consider it on the floor of one of the bodies in one week, but that's faster than normal. Just... Anyway, and then it starts to go downstairs and do the same thing over again. What you got? Uh, I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so I'm still trying to learn the process. Yeah. Maybe some other people are too. I spent eight years (laughs) down there, and I'm still trying to learn the process. So when you say drop in, does that mean it's the House that drops it in or the Senate that drops it in, or can both of them drop in a bill? Both. They both both can. So 
it would go from one to the other then. Yeah, and there's certain things that are reserved to have to start in one or the other, okay. like um, bills that deal with taxation or the increase of taxation um, have to originate in the House. That's just the way it works. Okay. Uh, but uh, And then certain bills, like if there was a, we almost impeached Governor Bentley, uh, the referral of articles of impeachment would have to originate in the House and come up to the Senate. All right, but generally speaking, and a lot of times you have what's called a companion bill. So you don't know which body of the legislature is going to move it quicker. And so you have the same bill, a Senate version and a House version. Mm -hmm. And you drop them in in both places. And they start moving. And they might actually cross paths on the way as they transmit from the House to the Senate or the Senate to the House. It's called the companion bill. And then it's just a, it's just a race to the floor. Which one gets to the floor first is the one that wins. <laughs> but but you, you, you typically will have joint sponsorship like... I had, uh, let me think of one, uh, myself and Representative Mac Butler both co-sponsored companion bills for um, uh, a pro-life bill. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're both on the, on the list as having been the sponsors. Um, but it was his House bill that was the one that actually passed. Um, oh, because it got through first. It got through first. Got it. Yeah, okay. it goes through both bodies of the legislature, and then it gets transmitted across the street to the governor. The governor then has to sign it for it to come law. And then the governor has the opportunity to veto and send it back with, with changes, or to do what's called a pocket veto, which means eh, the governor has let it lay in the basket and never did a thing with it, and then it died on its own. That's called a pocket veto. Put it in their pocket and walked away. Hmm. Those are aggravating. I'm guessing that happens a lot. Uh, not as much as you might think, because the executive branch doesn't want to tick off the legislative branch too much. Got it. So, I mean, at some point, they got to work together. Mm -hmm. So unless they're in opposite parties and opposed to each other on certain things or the governor's holding a bill hostage till he's waiting, waiting for something else to happen, um, that can happen. Um, I'm giving you all, this, all the skinny here, man. This is, yeah. this, these are all the tactics. All the tactics. So when it goes to the governor, is it one of those things where you follow up with the governor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Like, governor? All the time. You plan hey. on signing that, like, in our lifetime? What, what are you doing? What's it doing just sitting there? Yeah. <laughs> And the, but the also, by the way, you, the, I've seen the House and Senate get opposed to each other. Oh. And, like, I, I have seen it before where a House bill, which uh, the House is not passing our Senate bills, but they chose to pass theirs, and they sent it upstairs, and then it sat in the pro Tim's basket. We call it sitting in the basket. It never got out of the basket. It just sat there. It just sat there until the House decided to start passing some of our Senate bills. That, that kind of crap happens all the time. Hmm. It's crazy. There's a process. But once you learn the rules, once you learn the process, it's amazing what you can get done. Hmm. Boomer, look at the clock. I know. I was just seeing it. <laughs> Play me a new bump and take us to a break. Oh, All right. One. We'll come right back. Keep talking about this. I, I didn't even get into the meat of it yet, but we're going to have Stephanie Smith on, too, at the top of the hour to talk about what we think might be coming in the session because right now we have no agenda to work with at all. All right. Phil Williams. Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. More civics lesson when we get back. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right. So uh, next week, 
marks the, the the beginning of the next round of lawmaking. All right, there's only there's only one thing that the legislature is constitutionally mandated to do, and that's pass the budgets. By the way, Alabama has the most archaic budgeting system in the entire nation. We are one of the only states that exists that has two budgets. So everything in the world education is in what's called the ETF, the Education Trust Fund. And uh, Senator Arthur Orr is one of the budget chairmen there. Uh, and then um, you've got uh, the other budget is everything else in the world it takes to run the state that's not education. Everything from mental health and roads and bridges and, you know, state troopers and whatever, and, and, just, and funding the governor's office and all of it comes into what's called the general fund. And the general fund is always woefully uh, behind in terms of the amount of money available to do so because Alabama has the most earmarked budgeting processes in the nation. Something like 91% of all funds that can be appropriated by the legislature are already designated for where they have to go. So the legislature really, while it may have, you know, eight to nine billion dollars worth of appropriating to do, truthfully, that's a drop in the bucket when you consider how many things are in place that are already, you know, outside of their control. All right, that being said, the only constitutional mandate for the legislature is to pass a budget. They could technically come into session, pass the budget, and go to the House. Be done. Go, go home. Just call her done. What generally happens is they come in and they, they have all the other stuff, which, you know, some of it's good, some of it's fluff, some of it's silly, some of it's ridiculous. And, 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 I, and I'll, I'll tell you truthfully, uh, there were times in Montgomery when we spent as much time stopping bad legislation as we did trying to pass good legislation. Plus, you always hear, well, there's second and third order effects of this. You don't know what the unintended consequences are. Well, I, I hesitate to say this, but sometimes you don't know what the unintended consequences are. That's why every year a large chunk of what is, gets passed by the legislature is actually an amendment to prior legislation because somebody realized something should have been added or taken away or done differently. Anyway, that's all going to start next week. Here's the problem I've got. The problem I've got right now is nobody knows what their real intent is for this coming legislative session. In 2010, when the Republicans took over from the Democrats, and the Democrats had held the State House for 136 straight years, we came in with an agenda. It was called the Handshake with Alabama. You can go look it up. I've got a piece here that's off WSFA from August of 2010. Yep. The, the Handshake with Alabama was the name of our agenda, and we came in there and it included all kinds of things like tax incentives to help create jobs, uh, uh, making lobbyists have to report what they spend on officials, giving the Ethics Commission subpoena power. Um, and we, we, we did a bunch of stuff, and we, and we emasculated the teachers' union, and I'm not afraid to say it. All of that was an actual printed agenda that we put our names on, and we said we're going to do these things. I am not hearing anything out of the governor's office or the legislature, for that matter, of an agenda. I'm hearing the one-offs. Well, we might do this. Well, we might do some of that. I don't know yet, but I believe a good bill may come up. School choice, we don't know. Uh, tax reform, tax rebates, we, we don't really know. Uh, we've got, you know, a billion dollars in ARPA money to spend. Well, more on that. We'll talk about that with Stephanie Smith. But I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot that's going to start happening next week. And ain't nobody knows what the plan is right now. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios on a Friday afternoon for hour number two with the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Well, hey, listen, we're going to go to the phones. We've been on number one of the Triple Dipper talking about the regular special session, the regular special session. So next week, the legislature goes in. For the regular session of 2023, the governor will deliver her state of the state address, I believe, on Tuesday evening. Uh, And then it's also widely believed the governor will call the legislature into a special session where they will set aside all other business. Technically, they'll adjourn their existing regular session and stay down there, but do business that is select to what the governor's asked him to do, which in this case is going to be spending over a billion, billion dollars in COVID relief monies that still sit in the bank from the federal government. Um, anyway, to talk about this in more detail, uh, our friend Stephanie Smith. Stephanie is now the president of the Alabama Policy Institute with a long history of working in both governmental and uh, corporate uh, governmental affairs uh, here in the state of Alabama. So without further ado, Stephanie Smith, how are you today? I'm doing really well, Phil. We had some really weird weather, but now it's sunny, and I'm sitting here watching my chickens. <laughs> <laughs> all your named chickens that, uh, yeah. It's, they it's, all have names, but I'm telling you, I cannot tell them apart. I can tell all my children apart, but I cannot tell all the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the chickens get fed, they don't care if they're called the right name, though. That's what this. They, yeah, they don't at all. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the price of eggs is better at your house than it is at my house, I'm sure. Um, Absolutely. Hey, uh, so yeah, next week is the uh, is the big doings for Montgomery uh, in the bubble. People, um, legislature goes in, governor delivers a speech. Then we believe there's going to be a special session. But I was telling mm-hmm. the audience in my show here a minute ago, Stephanie, that this feels like the most you know rudderless session that I remember. I mean, I don't even know what the agenda is. No one's talking about anything. Are you hearing much? Yeah, this is one of those, for for people who follow Alabama politics, this is like a double whammy or a double doozy or something because so they, they're supposed to go into regular, what you just said, which is they're supposed to go into regular session. And you, normally there are agendas and, and you know information about what the governor is going to say in the state of the state. It's some advanced information um, because people, you know, the, the legislative caucuses or even individual legislators, uh, the lieutenant governor, the governor will put out an agenda or a platform or some list of things they'd like to accomplish. I've seen very little of that. Yeah. Um, And now we're being told, you know, just a few days ago being told um, or a week or so ago being told that they're going to do a special within the regular, which is kind of becoming more normal. That was not normal for many years historically. Um, you know, as far as the Alabama legislature went, now it's kind of become the new normal. 
to do this special session, to hurry up and, you know, really focus on something that's the governor's priority uh, to make sure it doesn't get mixed up in all of the, you know, negotiations and the back and forth of a regular session. It does help save money in that she's not calling them down for a special session at some random time. Also, the legislators like it better (laughs) because they're already planning to be there. Um, But it is one of those things, you know, only the governor can create what's in the call. Basically, only the things in the call can be considered. You have to have, you know, really high levels of participation to throw another bill in there, and I've not heard any of that. No, I but the interesting either. thing about this special to me is that you, normally you don't call a special session. I mean, as somebody who has worked for a governor, you do not call a special session unless you know what your vote count is. Because the last thing you want done as a governor or a governor's staff is to call a special session, call attention to, hey, these are the things that I think are the most important things in the world. And then the legislature's like, no. So, <laughs> which, um, which, by the way, that happened to her uh, last year yeah. during the special. We got that uh, vaccine uh, mandate bill passed that was not even right. in her call, uh, and so and right. she and which she had been trying unusual, to avoid it. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So that that was an exception to the rule. Normally, it's whatever the governor says is what you know, whatever is in the call, and then it's very difficult to get something else passed. Uh, it's not impossible. I mean, it is possible. Um, but I imagine if she's planning to do this, she's already got her votes counted for this, for this ARPA, um, spending. And the most interesting thing about this ARPA spending to me, well, a couple of things. One is that they already have a boatload of money sitting in the bank that they haven't spent from the last round of the ARPA. Right. Now that's partially their fault, partially not because the feds didn't give good guidance and they didn't want to spend it and then have to return it. Lots of, you know, back and forth, round and round. But that's what happens when you take money with tentacles, right? So you you take money from the feds and they get to tell you what to do with it uh, and how to use it and, you know, all the parameters around that. But now we have another billion dollars on top of the billion dollars already sitting down there um, that they need to disperse. And there's a time frame on it. So they don't want to have it get messed up with the regular session. So they're just going to go ahead and do it. Well, so let me let me let me jump in there. Because a, uh, let me just go ahead and say, a confidential source has provided me mm-hmm. a draft of what may be included in the governor's request for expenditure on that billion dollars. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. you've seen it, um, but uh, it's it's a it's it's basically there's nothing in there for tax reform, tax rebates, nothing nothing giving back to the to the people of the state. And I see a lot of mm-hmm. funding of government, and I see a lot of funding of things like you know the hospital association needing money for their their memberships. Absolutely. So, yeah, I've seen it, and it's unsurprising in that it's more of the same. I mean, it's wastewater, it's uh, broadband expansion, and it's money for hospitals and um, nursing homes and health insurance boards and propping up government, propping up state government, propping up hospitals, et cetera. And, you know, and some of that, I think, is is somewhat valid, except here's the thing. The reason they said they spent the money the first time on these things, instead of giving tax relief or giving the money back to the people or helping small businesses, was that they said they were confused or it was unclear 
<laughs> about what the money could actually be dispersed for. Right. Now that is clear. That's and very clear. And many other states have used this money to give direct relief to first responders, to healthcare workers, and to citizens. But there's no, it seems like there's no appetite from the governor's office to do that because the information that I, the list that I have seen has nothing for small businesses whatsoever and nothing for average Alabama cities. There is one uh, place in that uh, list that apparently you and I have both seen that does seem to allow for um, what I would just call government or governor's controlled grants. Like they, they may be able to apply for grants if they qualify for a certain... But it's still going to be controlled to the governor's office, which is like the purse strings are still being held tightly, and you're going to love me because you're going to have my name on the check. Right. Yeah. So basically, it looks to me like the list that I saw was you know, certain things and all almost the entire list said up to blah, 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 up to blah, blah, blah. And then so that means um, you don't have to, like, for instance, if it says, uh, you know, $5 million, you know, for this or that. Um, it's up to that. Well, that means they could spend $500 on that. And then the rest, where's the rest of it go? The rest of it would, would be to that, would be to that pot of money, um, that Bill Poole and, and KIV control with that grant program. Um, I would like to see some more transparency on what the intentions are for some of this money. But the overall thing that's frustrating for me, um, is that, it doesn't seem to acknowledge that anything has changed or anything is different from the last time we talked about this. No, that, it doesn't. That there's, a, there's no understanding that run-of-the-mill citizens of the state um, had any sort of damage or any sort of negative problem, you know, problems from the lockdowns. Um, it's all very, dare I say, lobbyist-based and special interest-based, and it's clear Looking at that list, who has effective lobbyists, and the people of Alabama are left out. Yeah, and I would say the hospital association and the business council is is, is making out like a bandit right now. Um, but um, right, well, it's just a huge pot of money. I mean, that this is unprecedented amount of money coming into the state. Um, even though we, you know, we are one of the states that takes a lot of federal money. This is between the CARES Act, ARPA one, and ARPA two. This is an unprecedented amount of money flowing from. D.C. to Alabama, and in that situation, you know, there, there's just no appetite or any, even an acknowledgement that this money should go to the citizens of Alabama. Well, and I saw just last night, and, and we had about a minute left, but just last night I saw that the governor of Montana is calling for a billion dollars in tax relief for his citizens. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but school choice and some other things. I've seen that that virtually every other state surrounding Alabama has provided some measure of tax relief, whether it be a, a rebate at the very least, but if, if not that, then a, uh, a repeal or at least a stay on tax collections for certain things like gas taxes and that kind of stuff. Alabama has had zero of that, and yet we are sitting in a budget surplus. And I know some of it's one-time money. I get it. But I don't think the state's going to fall into disrepair because they gave something back to the people who have borne the brunt of this economic recession. Because government, no government employee missed a paycheck. But, but private citizens no. have been suffering for the last three years, and the money was sent here, and it's being used to prop up more of the guaranteed paychecks. Right. And ironically, you know, because of the legislation that you mentioned earlier, the 
state state employees and, and teachers who work in the state system were all protected against these vaccine mandates. Private individuals were not protected under those vaccine mandates, nor were VA employees. So, you know, federal employees and private employees who bore the brunt of those of those lockdowns and the mandates, many of and the military, many of whom lost their jobs. Yeah. And now are dealing with all the hyperinflationary period that we're all dealing with. Um, there's just no head, you know, there's no hat tip. There's no acknowledgement that really the people of Alabama took it on the chin. Uh, and really, it's just frustrating to watch state government continue to protect state government over its own citizens. Well, in my opinion, we're better than this. And 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 even, even Kay Ivey, who I've been so frustrated with in the last couple of years, I know her personally. She's better than this. And that's that's what that's what gets me is I, I used to watch her give speeches and talk. And she was a good retail politician. And it's like she oh, is yeah. just I don't, I don't know who's pulling the strings right now, but she is not the same person she used to be. And, and she needs to get back to being that person. Yeah. And the frustration for me is is probably similar, but also more broad in, in what you led with, which is if these are our leaders, where's the leadership? Um, yeah. You know, API put out a conservative platform in September. We stand by it. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a list of things. It's almost like a to do list. Uh, if you're going to be a conservative uh, in Alabama, some of those things are being considered like occupational licensing changes school choice, some, some things on abortion and adoption, and, and some things, you know, have been considered that were on our list on taxes. But it it's not clear to me that there's a, um, you know, a conservative, there's no hand, like you said, there's, you know, there's no handshake, there's no contract, there's, there's no plan. And when you go into a legislative session without a plan, or maybe they have a plan and they're just not letting people know. Yeah. Um, but if they do, that's also not really representative um, to the people that they represent, um, because there needs to be a back and forth on, you know, what type of things the people who just voted for them for the la- for you know for the next quadrennium, they just voted for them to come back in, and now they're not. They've so they've had this host of things that they've all run on. Where's the plan? Well, Where's the plan to fulfill those those obligations that they made during the well, during the um, process? Well, Stephanie, I, I ran long. I, I'm up against that break. I got to take it. So uh, tell everybody where they can find out more about the Policy Institute if they want to. You can find that conservative platform and anything about the Alabama Policy Institute at alabamapolicy.org. All right. Stephanie Smith, president of the Alabama Policy Institute. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Phil. All right. See you. All right, Boomer, take that break, man. We'll come right back and probably have a minute because <laughs> I, I ran long with Stephanie on purpose. That was too good to just shut it off. But, yeah, folks, I do have um, a confidential source that has, promoted, has provided me with a, a copy of what the governor's office is proposing for this, um, this big spend. And ain't nothing that coming to your pockets. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and bad to the bone. That's, that's, that's like what we that are. I like that one. I mean, God, how do you not like that one? <laughs> how, many, how many times in the world when I was a youth pastor back in the day did I use that as a lead-in <laughs> to some skit, you know? <laughs> that's just funny. Um, all right, bad to the bone. Got a little George Thurgood coming in there. Thank you. Thank you, Bummer. Um, I'm so glad you picked music from my generation. I mean, I could be, I'm glad you're not sitting over there picking out some, you know, boy band or something that's, you know, like <laughs> playing some Beyonce or something for me. Yeah, I would just be beside myself. Um, hey, listen, I'm going to wrap this up and just tell you that, that, so my discussion, I hope you gathered from my discussion there with um, Stephanie Smith that next week begins the process of spending a billion dollars, a billion. Extra dollars. These are dollars on top of our usual dollars, all right? These are one-time monies. And in government, one-time monies can be dangerous because you don't want to build some kind of, you know, opportunity that can't be sustained. So you have to spend it on things that are either replenishments or they're one-time opportunities. All that to say, next week begins the process. And and I've I've got a copy of, of what I believe is the governor's proposal for how this should be spent. It's a draft, and daggum. I'm looking at it going, well, okay, let's upfund the State Employees Insurance Board, $40 million. Oh, good. How about this one? Let's make sure that we upfund the Public Education Health Insurance Board. Oh, good. That's great, another $40 million. How about $25 million to support mental health programs and services? No, that's the Department of Mental Health. Okay, how about this one? $20 million to assist with voluntary clinical trials and healthcare research programs to allow greater access to personalized medicine for the citizens of Alabama. What does that mean? They're going to fund something at UAB, government. How about putting money into, oh, here's an idea, water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure. I understand why that's important. That's quality of life stuff. It's also government. Um, $260 million to support that broadband network. Okay, is that important? Well, yeah, it is. But you know what? That's also government. All right, so what I'm saying here is that with everything that the public has borne over the last three years, you, you, saw, you saw billions of dollars in federal relief money coming into the state. Our state, our Attorney General Steve Marshall, went to bat and won a case before the Supreme Court to prove that we are allowed to use these funds for tax relief should we choose to do so. Multiple other states have chosen to do so, which means some kind of relief for the average Joe and Jane, right? So far, that is not the plan in Alabama. I'm just telling you, man, members of the legislature, if you're listening right now, you go into session next week, your people are watching to see whether they're going to be on the list of who gets taken care of. And if all you're going to do is continue to upfund government, well, then by God, we can, just let ha- we can have a single branch of government. Just call her a queen and be done. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We're changing gears. When we get back. China. China is here. We'll talk about it. Y'all stay tuned.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right, covering some major ground across the northern half of the most beautiful state in the nation, Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back on over to Gadsden, and parts of Georgia and Tennessee and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Well, I'm going to switch gears here. Number two on the Triple Dipper. So China is here. All right. Let's... Let's talk. Can we talk? Let's talk. Let's talk. Um, China. Now, you know, some of the terminology being used more commonly these days uh, in, in like the, the Pentagon and others, uh, even the State Department, is, is a what they call a near-peer adversary, and that would be someone who is almost on par with us, closest to a you know, peer-to-peer, uh, is a near-peer adversary, and China is it. There's been a whole lot, you know, in the last year, the, the war in Ukraine has really exposed uh, the, incap- the, the lack of capabilities uh, of, the, uh, of the, the Russian military. So the, the, the vaunted Russian bear appears to uh, be a little old and tired and somewhat toothless in some ways. I don't want to underestimate them. They're still on nuclear capability. They still, have, they still have the ability to do bad things in multiple places. But nonetheless... You know, all the talk about how Ukraine was going to be steamrolled in two weeks. Well, have we been supplying weapons and aid? Yes, we have, but we didn't right away, did we? So the vast majority of, of what we supplied to them came well after we recognized that, oh, they're actually holding their own. Um, so Russia. Yes, they, I would say that on the world stage, Russia is still one of our uh, biggest potential large-scale adversaries, but China is looming Bigger and bigger as we speak. One of the world's largest, if not the world's largest economy. Uh, a nation that doesn't mind uh, encroaching. A nation that, that just does stuff with impunity and waits to see what you're going to do about it. Um, a nation whose technology is not just uh, uh, significant, but has also become a huge part of what we require for our own technology. I mean, how how... How strategic was this that, you know, that, that the vast majority of the um, computer chips that we rely on come from either Taiwan, which is opposed you know, is to China, or from China itself? Prescription medications, China. Rare earth materials to make uh, um, major battery systems, China. Um, and then any number of things that are just manufactured in China because of cheap labor. So all that to say, and then there's also you know, um, uh, agricultural exports and imports, China. So Real Clear Defense has a piece, and I'll start off with this before I get into the crux of my dipper. The, the, the crux of my triple dipper portion here, though, is that China is here. And when I say, when I don't, when I'm not saying, hey, be aware, China's on the horizon. I'm saying China's in the U.S. China is here in our backyard. And oh, by the way, that includes Alabama. Real Clear Defense has an article that came out uh, just yesterday. It says, rethinking assumptions about China. And I will say this. We do not have the luxury of assumption when it comes to China. We don't. First of all, assumptions, you know what the old saying is. 
Uh, assumptions. What do those do? Uh, when you assume, it makes an ass of you and me. All right, but um, we don't have the luxury of assumption with China. We cannot do it. But it says here, if the war in Ukraine is teaching the United States anything, it is that great powers can unexpectedly suffer battlefield defeat because of ex- expectations and assumptions about their military prowess being outdated. It says some widely held American assumption, assumptions include a belief that Chinese leadership is a conflict-averse organization and fears war with the United States. He says that assumption may no longer be valid. In other words, they no longer fear the idea of war with the United States. In fact, if anything, there is the belief that China may now very well believe that Washington fears war with China more than Beijing fears war with the United States. Goes on to point out that the Chinese have been expanding their nuclear arsenal. Uh, They now have a nuclear first strike capability. In recent years, they've expanded and modernized their nuclear forces to include theater utility weapons. Um, It goes on to say that they've expanded their naval forces significantly. In the South China Sea, they are building fake islands and arming them in order to, you know, propose that they have now uh, pushed out their territorial waters. Um, And given Chinese statements, says Real Clear Defense, its expansion of strategic and conventional capabilities and its incursions into Taiwanese airspace, it is prudent to consider updating our assumptions about the Chinese decision calculus when it comes to potential conflict. What they're saying is this, China is making large-scale inroads into what it would take to be the superpower. Maybe we should stop thinking of them as a near-peer adversary. Maybe it's time to think of them as an adversary at peer level, period. Make no assumptions about their capabilities. Assume this, if anything, that it would be a royal fight that we would not just prevail because we're the United States. We have to consider that at every turn, China has been assessing its capabilities, increasing its capabilities, and assessing our own, and, oh, by the way, trying to degrade them without us realizing it. So Yellowhammer News has a piece. Let's break it down to several places. China is here. So so China is here. Our own Senator Katie Britt, uh, is trying to continue her efforts, as she says, to fight the Chinese Communist Party's growing aggression. She made great statements the other day. Yellowhammer reported this uh, a couple of days ago that Senator Britt said, I have heard from Alabamians as I travel across the state, and this is a concern for them, specifically the Chinese Communist Party and their willingness and efforts and deliberate potential attempts to buy up fertile U.S. farmland. She said, food security is national security. So if you're not familiar, Chinese nationals and the Chinese government have been buying up land. They have increased their holdings in the United States by literally 1,000% over the last few years. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 383,000 acres of farmland. And a part of it looks at it and goes, okay, what are they doing? Are Are they trying to set up their own export capability from our soil? Maybe. And that could certainly be it. But then you have to also look at where they want to place it. And what would they do while they're there? And then also where they are, what are they installing? So a, a piece came out on um, Texas Policy, the Texas Public Policy Institute, which is a, a sister organization of the Alabama Policy Institute. They did a piece because they're looking at legislation right now in Texas. In fact, let me grab that one first. Let me do this. Let me switch over here. Story uh, out of Texas. Uh, actually, this came out of uh, the French press, believe it or not. 
says the U.S. state of Texas is considering barring Chinese citizens from buying property on national security grounds. The Texas proposal also would bar Russians, Iranians, and North Koreans. And oh, by the way, Texas is one of 12 states considering this. You have 12 state legislatures that are considering establishing state laws that would prevent the purchase from certain nations of, of, of you know, land within their territories. Right now, we're looking at, you know, a huge section. The biggest one in this is Texas. Texas is saying, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're done with this. Something in the neighborhood of $6.1 billion of U.S. real estate has been purchased, according to the Texas Public Policy Institute, by Chinese nationals in the last few years. Just in the last few years, many of which, by the way, have been established near military installations. Okay, first of all, I'm thinking, all right, is it, is it, is it just is it hype? Is it just is this a, is this just a somebody saying oh it's, it's it's China and all it really is is like a a poultry farm and they're putting it right next to you know uh, a Air Force base is that going to be a big de- yes it's a big deal why because of what else they could be installing there in fact let me tell you where's that story here hang on a second I got to find this now I'm jumping around this is yeah okay the same article give you an idea of how insidious certain things can be. Says an odd 2017 deal explains the or illustrates the importance of strategic real estate. Because in 2017, China offered to pay the entire $100 million cost to build the National China Garden on 12 acres in Washington, D.C. Huh. Pray tell. Why would that be? So, Washington, D.C. leadership expressed concerns, counterintelligence officials began to recognize the project needed to be rejected before it got constructed because they were going to build a very large pagoda on one of the highest points in Washington, D.C. And the proposed pagoda would be built from materials that were going to be shipped over in largely diplomatic pouches that could not be opened during import inspections. Interesting. Why would they want to build that on one of the highest points in our nation's capital? perhaps because they were installing surveillance and intelligence gathering uh, equipment. That, that, that's not, by the way, that's not, that's not just Phil, I believe that, that's not just Phil having some kind of a conspiracy theory, theory moment. No, that's, that's actual counterintelligence officials in D.C. who put a stop to the plan and shut down the $100 million construction cost that would have let China just build a 12-acre site right smack in the middle of D.C., but see, here's the thing. This article that I'm looking at right now from Texas Public Policy is, is, is one of the best I've seen. It says there are four real threats to Chinese nationals building and constructing on U.S. soil. Number one, real-time communications intelligence. Number two, real-time imagery intelligence. Number three, offensive signals jamming. And number four, Internet attacks. Because... China state-supported telecommunications giants Huawei and ZTE, they both have been selling tower equipment and routers to set up rural telecommunications, rural broadband, even taking a loss on the equipment to get it all out there. Why? Because it could have dual purpose. When you set up Chinese-established rural broadband in and around places like, oh, I don't know, the ICBM silos uh, in North Dakota or Nebraska or Montana or Colorado or Wyoming, What if they had jamming capability attached to them? 
Next thing you know, in the in the world of you know in which we live, where things have to be done in a split second, and they can jam the communications to the missile silos, at least for a period of time. Does that mean something? Yes, it does. This article points out that Chinese telecommunication equipment remains a ticking time bomb on U.S. soil, and there is now resistance to its removal because people have gotten used to it. So yeah, China is here. And China is buying up land like nobody's business, man. Story here on Fox says concerns are growing over Chinese effort to buy American farmland near U.S. military bases. According to the USDA, Chinese landowners now own approximately 383,000 acres of U.S. farmland, and their investments are continuing to grow. Chinese ownership of U.S. farmland jumped 20-fold from 2010 to 2021. 20-fold. There's even things like the Chinese-based chemical manufacturing company that bought 300 acres of land right near Grand Forks Air Force Base, which is a home to U.S. intel surveillance and reconnaissance units and top-secret drone technology. Again, we have to be aware of this. We can assume nothing. And on top of that, we also recognize that that's farmland that now we can't guarantee the processing of. All right, Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. So I'm in, I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper. China, China's here. They're not just out there doing stuff in the South China Sea. China's here. Why do you think they sailed a balloon right over the top of our country for an entire week? Because they are here on our soil in a big way. And I'll tell you what they've been doing in our universities. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and playing a little Led Zeppelin. Man, Boomer, dude. This got is, some good ones You today. got the bumps just cranking. <laughs> hey, it's Friday afternoon, by the way, and, uh, and I got to tell you, Boomer and I just sat here during the break uh, comparing <laughs> stories about our kids' diapers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we, we still have... Some references to when our kids, which our kids are grown now, by the way. We have grandkids now, but uh, we still have some references in our family to the days of the nuclear stinky, we called it. <laughs> the nuclear stinky was epic in scale. I don't want to I don't want to say it was coming out the neck of his shirt, but there you have it. Just the <laughs> nuclear stinky. The things the nuclear you do. Stinkies. The things you do as a parent. Oh, my word. All right. So, hey, uh, the text lines are open, by the way. Uh, 833-687-4448. We're talking about China. China's here, all right? Um, and, and, it's, and it's important that we do not consider this to be one of those things that's happening somewhere else. Yes, they are making inroads in the South China Sea, building their islands and claiming that their territorial waters are expanded. Yes, they are exporting uh, to uh, unfriendly nations. Yes, they are the big brother of North Korea. Yes, they have increased their nuclear arsenal. Uh, by a, a, a huge amount, but they're here right now. They're, they're in the United States doing stuff. Uh, text, Marty from Huntsville says, thanks for talking about China. People think anyone talking about what you're discussing is a conspiracy theory. 
No, it's not, man. And I appreciate it. He says you give validity to the topic. Thank you very much. It, you cannot underestimate, and, and maybe some people woke up to this. How long has it been, Boomer, since we had that balloon fly over? Three weeks? Four weeks? About three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you cannot deny. By the way, has anybody said what was what they pulled out of the water yet? Where'd that story go? Daggum, where is that story? Yeah, we need to know about that. What the heck? They pulled that Just sucker crickets. out of the water and, and like, yeah, exactly. Hit the crickets for me. Yeah, there it is. That's what they do. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, we just went on to the next big thing. Charlene pointed that out the other day. She, she said, you know, it, what's crazy is we're going from one poor Biden decision to another where it just basically means that, you know, quick, go to another bad thing so they'll quit asking about the other big thing. But, yeah, we, we don't know what happened with pulling that thing out of the water. We do know this, though. It was indeed a Chinese balloon that was indeed carrying a 1,000-pound payload that was indeed uh, gathering data as it flew across the United States. Pray tell, why would that be? I think, I think a lot of people sat up and took notice because too many Americans, too many Americans just go, oh, it's China. They're on the far side of the world. Oh, it's China. Like when we went to Vietnam, we had to deal with some Chinese stuff, right? Oh, it's China. We have troops in North Korea and, you know, that's way over there. China's here. China's on our soil. China it prides itself on playing what they consider to be the long game. And they'll do stuff for an entire generation with the intent of one day having the upper hand. Americans have gotten very accustomed to the have-it-now mentality, the, the short sound bites and, the, and the, the 24-hour news cycle that has to be filled up with fluff. China's playing long games, and they're doing it with great intent. And the idea that they're here needs to be embedded in the, in the minds of the American psyche. So when you hear a politician going, we shouldn't allow, like Katie Britt said, we should not allow China. In fact, her comment was, one acre is too much. We should not allow the Chinese government to, to buy up major tracts of farmland very close to sensitive U.S. military installations. We should not allow rural broadband and other um, infrastructure to be put in place using Chinese components at a loss without speculating as to why that might be and does it have secondary use capability. We shouldn't be sitting idly by when China puts things into our state-funded universities designed to help shape the narrative for how they want China to be viewed uh, at a time when they, at the same time, may be building up capabilities that are just the opposite of what they're trying to portray themselves as. They're called Confucius Institutes. And in a minute, I'm going to come back and talk about that because at one point, there were a series of like 18 Confucius Institutes around the U.S., and two of those were right here in Alabama. One of them is finally closing down, and I'll tell you about it here in just a minute. But folks, it's unconscionable to me that we've got the Penn Biden Center where apparently classified documents were discovered at, in, in Joe Biden's Penn Biden Center office, and Penn had just received $30 million from the Chinese government. Well, money's fungible. What do you think it did? Oh, it helped fund the Penn Biden Center, where classified documents sit in closets. I'm just telling you, they're here. Got a brand new texture on the line. Gary from Huntsville is in there. So, Gary, we appreciate you. He says uh, China has 10% of the world's population. They could use 100 million soldiers as cannon fodder. He said, remember also that we have depleted our military hardware by sending it to Ukraine. And we have been weakened, and China knows it. 
I'm not arguing that point, Gary. Um, and I think we need to uh, we need to be mindful of that. Um, all right, we'll take the break. We'll come right back. We'll wrap this section up. China, China's here, and then we'll wrap up the day talking about the Second Amendment, live free or die. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. And we are back. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here for hour number three on a Friday afternoon in the Right Side Studios. Local, state, national, even the international. We cover all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. So I'm I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper. China, China's here. Make no mistake about it. China is is here on U.S. soil. They're doing stuff on a regular basis. So earlier I, I pointed out that there have been a number of developments that have caught the attention of U.S. counterintelligence, not the least of which is the fact that we are seeing major Chinese tech companies selling, even at a loss, their equipment to establish rural broadband and rural connectivity uh, in and around areas that you think, why would they do that? The goodness of their hearts? Don't think of anything coming from China as being from the good of their hearts, all right? Why are they doing this? Well, maybe because there is dual capacity in those systems. Maybe those systems could also take, be taken down remotely that would then shut down communications into areas of the nation. Maybe those systems could also become jammers. Maybe those systems could also become signal intel intercepts. So when you see China helping to install a rural broadband network at a loss to their company, golly, shucks. That's not out of the goodness of their heart. I don't think so at all. The other thing they've been trying to do is shape the narrative. As they do things like float a balloon across the United States, gathering intel as they go, as they do stuff like, you know, building new islands in the South China Sea and provoking uh, as they fly their fighter jets right close to our aircraft. There's also been some things going on around the United States called Confucius Institutes. If you're not familiar with this, let me back you up. So Confucius Institutes are, are, they're on college campuses and they're around the world. 18 of them in the United States, two of which were right here in Alabama. One at Alabama A&M in Huntsville, very close to the headquarters of Army Material Command and Missile Command and everything else going on around the Redstone area. The other at Troy University. Ah, Troy University, what? That's, what, what the, did you know that Troy University for years had the contract for remote learning for the U.S. military. If you were a 
Sergeant E5, wanting to finish out your college degree and you're stationed in Germany, you were doing courses at Troy University online. Troy University had one of only 18 total Confucius Institutes. They were funded by Hanban, which is the Confucius Institute headquarters, which was part of the Chinese military, Ministry of Education. They established the opportunity to provide um, you know, everything from teachers and textbooks and operating funds, all designed to promote China to the students of the university. They had to change the name because Hanban began, you got a lot of blowback on it because it was directly tied to the Chinese Ministry of Education. So now they're just funded by the Chinese International Education Foundation. <laughs> okay, that makes it better. The Trump administration declared Confucius Institutes to be a foreign mission of the CCP in 2018. So this is not just Phil saying, well, I read something on that uh, conspiracy blog. No, the Trump administration declared Confucius Institutes to be an arm of the CCP in 2018. Alabama A&M closed theirs down pretty soon thereafter. They announced they were going to close theirs by 2021, and they did. Especially when they found out that the U.S. Defense Department was no longer going to provide contracts or grants or other funds to universities that had Confucius Institutes. That was part of the National Defense Authorization Act of 2021. So, yeah, this is not conspiracy theory. This is real. Troy took a little extra time, a little extra cajoling, apparently. Troy University finally says they're going to close theirs down this year. And so it's actually after years of, of, of you know, controversial um, uh, maintenance of their Confucius Institute, they're finally shutting it down. Two, so what, is that, what does that boil down to? Two out of 18. So where are we at? That's, that's, that's roughly what? How many percent? Boomer, I'm, 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 I'm doing a bad job at math right here. Um, all said and done, a percentage of them was right here in Alabama. Here's the other thing that China's been doing. China's been operating what have been referred to as remote Chinese police stations around the world, a number of which are in the United States. What? Yes. You know, the Chinese government has a heavy hand in, in, in terms of dealing with its own citizens. But when they have their own citizens coming over to the United States where they might get a taste of freedom and, I don't, I don't know, maybe have the opportunity to actually hear the other narrative, these Chinese police stations are there to provide a springboard from which they can then go and make known to those, you know, Chinese nationals, hey, we're here and we're watching you. So Beijing, it says, according to CNN, December 4th, Beijing has set up more than 100 so-called overseas police stations across the globe to monitor, harass, and in some cases even repatriate, which means abduct and take home, certain Chinese citizens who are either living in exile or using bilateral security agreements that are struck with those nations and being able to work there. Madrid-based foreign human rights campaigner Safeguard Defenders is the name of the company, Safeguard Defenders, says it found evidence China was operating 48 additional police stations abroad. Since the first group, since the group first revealed the existence of 54, the pre, so basically there's well over 100. Who runs them? Well, China's denying it. China says, no, 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 it's not happening. No, 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 not happening. Sure it's not. Never mind the fact that documents have been discovered showing that they've hired like 135 people for the first 21 stations they had. Oh, really? <laughs> We're not, nothing to see here. We're just setting up a little, you know, well, then, they, then, then China got confronted, and they began to sort of back off their story. 
Well, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, just, it's just there because during COVID, it was so hard. It was so hard for our people to um, perhaps, you know, get their, um, their, their documentation fixed so they can come home when they want to. Really? That's all it was? Well, so understand this. In the world of diplomacy, it doesn't happen like this. In fact, the article I've got here from uh, CNN says, undeclared consular activities outside of a nation's official diplomatic missions are highly unusual and even illegal unless a host nation has given explicit consent and safeguard defenders, that group again, claims that China's overseas offices predate the pandemic by several years, so that's not their excuse. Congressmen are speaking out on it now. U.S. Congressman, House China Select Committee Chairman Mike Gallagher hosted a press event uh, just a couple days ago at a former illegal Chinese Communist Party police station in downtown Manhattan. In other words, folks, I'm just what I'm telling you here, this is not conspiracy. China's here. They're on U.S. soil. I'm not talking about their embassy. I'm not talking about their official consulates. I'm not even talking about Chinese firms that have a, a plant like Golden Dragon has one down in Wilcox County, Alabama. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about things like China buying up land inexplicably and installing listening networks and setting up remote police stations, which we know where some of them are because here's a U.S. congressman just last week having a press conference outside the doors of one that they found out about is shut down. And Congressman Gallagher says it's rare to find someone who hasn't experienced at least some low-level form of digital harassment from CCP agents, talking about Chinese citizens who are here. He says, how have we allowed this to happen on American soil? The answer is we've been blind while the CCP has been very cunning. They buy our politicians. They buy our multinational organizations and companies, in some cases law enforcement, and they use muscle and threats instead of persuasion. And like the mafia, they're not afraid to make people disappear, he says. On our soil. Do spies happen? Yeah, we know that. Spies happen. It's pretty brash when they're setting up remote police stations, undeclared as part of the consular activities of their nation. It's pretty brash when they're building new islands in the South China Sea and claiming that gives them the right to dictate who's allowed to sail in that area. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing when they will fly a balloon over our territory that's as big as three Greyhound buses carrying a 1,000-pound intel-gathering payload, and we have to shoot it down with an F- F-16. It's pretty amazing when you consider that they're helping to install, quote-unquote, rural broadband networks that they can also then shut down or repurpose into listening devices. And then lastly, there's TikTok. And I'll wrap it up with this. TikTok is just weird. And just, I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe that sounds like the old guy. Get off my grass! No, nah, that's what I'm saying. But Republicans on the House Foreign Affairs Committee have now brought a bill to bear that could effectively ban TikTok from all mobile devices in the U.S. because it is that is considered that dangerous. Why? Here's the deal. TikTok is a Chinese-based app that is gathering up data and is owned by a company called ByteDance, which has a direct affiliation with the Chinese government. And Chinese law requires that companies based in their country have to comply with any and all requests from state intelligence agencies. So as TikTok gathers data off people's phones, 
what are they going to find out, Phil? We know a new newest dance step. No, no, no. Listen, if the app's on your phone, then what kind of what kind of worms have been put in the app? What is your phone able to do? When I when I was working in secure facilities, the, the last one was down at McDill Air Force Base. It got to the point you had to lock your phone in a box outside of the building. And then it got to the point that they actually mandated that you had to leave your phone in your car turned off away from the building. Well, And they had people with sniffers that would walk through the building, and if they could detect a cell phone that had been turn, left turned on and it was in the building, you were going to get railroaded right out of there. Why? Because an app with a worm in it can find a way to turn on your phone and become a listening device. And so right now, members of Congress are recognizing they have a Chinese-based listening device in their phones. And it's everywhere. And, and so, folks, yeah, some of it may be innocuous. Maybe it's just weird. We don't let our kids watch it or something. How about this? What if it's on some sensitive individual's phone in a sensitive location and it gets turned on remotely to find out what's going on in the building. China's here. They just are. Accept it. Be aware of it. Make no assumptions about it. And treat them as if they're trying to do things to harm the nation. And let's make sure our capabilities stay above theirs. That's what I say. All right, there you have it. I have just now thrown the whole international world into a complex dilemma. China is here. All right, we're going to take a break right now. We'll come back from this break and head into the final segment of the day. Boomer, I think I'm getting all three dippers, man. You are. What the heck? <laughs> Friday afternoon, and the dippers are rolling. Woo. We'll come right back. Second Amendment, live free or die. You want to text in? 833-687-4448. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Little foreigner, hot blooded. Oh man, that's one of the first albums I bought, Boomer. I think Is so. Really? I think so. Yeah. I think I think Foreigner's uh, original first album was one of the first ones I ever bought. Like the whole album. Just, I mean, I had a few here and there, but that was that was like in the that was in the first ten, I would say. So, yeah, Boomer, you're, you're batting a thousand with the bumps today, man. Woo! Um, although we had that one that kind of got a weird, yeah, it had a weird little a weird thing in the middle of it. it. Yeah, like what happened? I, I, I don't know. Apparently, we didn't listen to it long enough during <laughs> we, the test we run. Did, yeah, we didn't listen to. Okay, the you're at ninety percent. You're at ninety percent. Okay, ninety. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I got to tell you guys, we have a new advertiser. In case you haven't already noticed, the Elm Foundation. That's E L M, the Elm Foundation, and they are pretty cool. So the Elm Foundation, based out of Huntsville, a five hundred one c three. If you heard my monologue today, you may have heard me talk about the mayor of Coronado, California, who has an amazing common sense approach to helping the homeless and people who are disadvantaged to find their way. First of all, he doesn't, he doesn't let them just, you know, do whatever they want to do. The Elm Foundation kind of follows in line with that. They, 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 they are of the mind, you don't just give a handout, you give a hand up. You truly help people learn what it means to, 
you know, find a job, to build a resume, to have some skills, to get mental health counseling, to do the things it takes to get back on your feet and get back into being a productive member of society. The Elm Foundation, uh, and they're based out of Huntsville. You can find their website uh, at Elm, E-L-M, hsv.org. That's elmhsv.org, which stands for Elm Huntsville. But I encourage you to check them out because I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really intrigued. I'm going to have them, but we need to have them on the show sometime soon. I, I just, yeah, we'll get them on the show. Yeah, I want, I want to get somebody from Elm in here, have them on the show, talk about it in detail. But they've got, man, they've got years of amazing track record of finding a way to put people back into a productive aspect uh, of, of their own lives and, and of society itself. So Elm, E-L-M-H-S-V.org. Check them out. Uh, so there's that. The, the text line went kaboom. So um, uh, I, I don't even know how to cover down on all these. So <laughs> first of all, we got some new textures. Uh, um, I'm trying to make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, Abhijit, I believe it is. Abhijit is a right-side ruffian from Madison. So appreciate you, man. If I'm saying your name wrong, forgive me and just send me the phonetic version of how to pronounce it best. But Abhijit is what I've got written down here. Uh, Tony from Piedmont says... Um, He's uh, looking at, well, what, he sent me multiple texts. Now I can't even figure out what all he's at. Anyway, bottom line is he's talking about how there's things happening at like West Point and, and that kind of stuff. And yet we've got Confucius Institutes, I guess is what he's trying to say. Uh, Raven from Russellville said, I invested a lot of blood, sweat, and tears so my country could be free. I can and would do it again. Thank you, Raven. It says, as I told our local sheriff, the government can assuredly take my firearms, but not while I'm alive. I'd rather die on my feet than die on my knees, live free or die. Here we go, man. There you go. Right side ruffian. Uh, Tracy from Athens talking about uh, um, the uh, the Chinese uh, buying up farms and farmland. Says they're buying up numerous chicken farms and chicken houses. Uh, says her, her husband works for a subcontractor of uh, uh, of one of those companies. Says scary times. That's That's so interesting, man. Um, what, uh, Brandon from Athens, this says, Hey, Hey Boomer. Yeah. Brandon from Athens says, Hey, Phil and Boomer. Hey, so, Hey, how hey. you doing, Brandon? <laughs> What's up, Brandon? Uh, Ben from Decatur, China's here. That's my point. Since Biden left millions of dollars in military equipment, in Afghanistan too. Biden has not had a goal to rebuild our own military equipment as he gives millions to Ukraine in our equipment too. Perhaps Biden's equality centers will reduce the Chinese threats. Not, that's what he says. Not. Um, so yeah, and he says 2024 can't get here soon enough. Jay from Hartzell, would you say China has better intel on us than we have on them? I think they might. Has our business relations with China been their smokescreen? Good question. Great point. Glenn from Bluntsville, what is our government going to do about getting the land back that Chinese people have purchased? Well, so first of all, purchasing land is not illegal of itself, but we have to recognize that under you know certain uh, U.S. laws, we already have a right to track the the purchase by foreigners of land. That's why we're finding out this trend, and then we have to also recognize where they're buying it, and then we have to recognize what they're doing with it. Is it illegal for them to buy it? Probably not, unless we can prove that the the activities are truly designed to be detrimental to the U.S. interest. But I think we have to, in a counter intel way have to recognize that what they're doing, where they're doing it, matters. Marcus from Huntsville. If I'm not mistaken, Troy is also where they build the THAAD missiles. Yes, yes it is. That's you, You've got, uh, it's not THAAD. I, mean, I think right now Troy is where they build um, uh, Javelin missiles. Yes, indeed. Um, wow. All the, I didn't even get to half these texts, Boomer. How'd this happen? All right. <laughs> 
Folks, keep texting if you want to. 833-687-4448. We'll cover more when we get back. Y'all stay tuned. We're coming right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Well, Scorpions. Little Scorpions, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, and playing the classic rock today, man. So yeah, that was uh, that was that was a flash from my high school days, right there. Um, okay, hey, listen, uh, I gotta I gotta tell you, it is looking like despite the storms we had today, that is going to be a beautiful weekend. I just got another update from Huntsville Utilities. I'll go ahead and let you know right now that as of the last thirty minutes, they say that uh, there are still. About 8,600 customers without power, down from 25,000. So they're making some progress. Uh, crews are still working to restore service. They'll continue to do so until all service is restored. They do not have complete estimated times for restoration of all areas, but they are working diligently. And they also have an outage map uh, that you can go to on their website uh, to, to sort of check things and see statuses. So, yeah, just be aware Huntsville Utilities knows that some of you are still without power and they are working the issue. Um, so uh, if I hear more, I will let you know more. Um, I got to I got to tell you, too, um, it, it, it looks like despite the fact that we had those storms today, that this is going to be a beautiful weekend. I mean, we're looking at, you know, beautiful spring like weather, I think, uh, throughout the rest of the weekend. Sunshine, uh, fair temperatures, a little breezy. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Let me let me just suggest something for you. Tomorrow morning, Saturday, no need to eat the regular old bowl of cereal or get a biscuit or eat a eat a eat an old donut. No. How about Just Love Coffee Cafe for breakfast? Oh, see, Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area: one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. You can go there. They've got a menu that'll blow your socks off. Get you get you one of those treat coffees, like Charlene calls them, like the cappuccinos, the espressos, the lattes. But then maybe you go ahead and also get you a womlet. A womlet? What's a womlet? It's a giant omelet, thick and fluffy, cooked in a in a waffle iron. Believe it or not, eggs, sauces, cheddar cheese, onions, peppers, tomatoes, tater tots. All sprinkled with black pepper. I'm, I've had it. I love the wallet. It's one of my favorite things they have on their menu. They got other stuff, though. They got a huge amount of artisan waffles. Then they got the flying pig waffle. A traditional waffle stuffed with bacon, sausage, egg, served with your choice of sausage gravy or maple syrup. Dang, man. I'm just saying. I'm getting hungry here thinking about it. All this stuff is on their menu. And maybe Saturday morning on a beautiful day, you don't mess up the kitchen. You just head over to Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations, Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And, and do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, live free or die, Second Amendment. Um, 
By the way, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that I still got a bunch of texts I haven't even caught up with yet, but uh, we got some new listeners in there too, Boomer. Do we have some new ones? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, who was new on the oh list boy. right there? Now was, you're asking. I know. Well, of course, <laughs> I, I did I did hear, uh, I, I did see that uh, uh, Abhijit uh, just texted mm-hmm. back and said, let's your show late afternoon, like the way you present everyday issues. I don't always agree with your views, but I really appreciate the way you discuss them. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Mm. Um, but, Mike uh, from Huntsville was another new one. Brand spanking new. Another brand spanking new. I think we have more than one Mike from Huntsville, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Oh, and he, he says, too, he's commenting on the on the bumps. He says, I received a Toys in the Attic album as a tip while delivering pizza in the late 80s. I delivered pizza in the late 80s, by the way, around South Huntsville working for Domino's. I did. And uh, never nobody ever gave me a Toys in the Attic album. It's, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, that was actually a good gig. Uh, deliver, delivering pizza was actually a good gig for a college student. I was I would home in the summers delivering Domino's. Why am I on this right now? But anyway, <laughs> but but you know I got paid X amount per hour. I got paid a percentage of my deliveries as a gas you know allowance, and then I also got tips. There were there were nights when I and they would pay you out in cash for the the, the amount you had for like say if I delivered a hundred dollars I got seven percent of whatever I delivered, so if I delivered a hundred dollars in pizza which is like three like like four or five pizzas, that was easy. If you delivered a hundred dollars worth of pizza you got an extra seven dollars cash as a college student that meant something back then, and then you also got tips which I'd come out I'd come out with fifty dollars cash in my pocket from the night plus a paycheck still coming. As a college kid driving a that's 68 great. Mustang, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's great. I was all right with that. I was, I was a good gig. I was just a server. But nobody ever gave me an Aerosmith album. Ah, oh, yeah. Dang. Okay. Mm. Live free or die. Gun control activists do not have the ability to have a rational conversation, it would appear. David Hogg. You know what I'm talking about? David Hogg. Have you seen him, Boomer? He's the, he's the activist. Now, he, oh, he, yes. he did survive a school shooting, so he's got a passion for it. Mm-hmm. But his passion is misplaced, and he has the most immature ability to pursue his topics. David Hogg, the co-founder of March for Our Lives Gun Control Group, recently tweeted what he thinks the Second Amendment means. He says, here's his quote. After reading about the history of the Second Amendment and talking with a lot of history and law professors, <laughs> I believe the Second Amendment has been intentionally misinterpreted. It was never meant as an individual right. It was created to protect state militias like the National Guard. Well, David Hogg, you're a knucklehead. Because the case of District of Columbia versus Heller, 2008, clearly stated, and here's the quote, the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to protest a firearm unconnected with service in a militia. Thank you very much. But see, they can't contain themselves. And so at every turn, what we're seeing right now is the Second Amendment is going to be constantly, you know, embattled. I'm not sure what the passion is against it. Um, I can have conspiracy theories about that. But, but the end result is they don't want someone to have the ability to do certain things like to arm yourself. Well, why would they not? Hmm. Postulate that for a moment. Here's an article from Breitbart, though. Dated yesterday. In case you're a Discover card holder and also a Second Amendment person, you may want to recognize that the Discover card is one of the first in line right now to begin helping the federal government create a registry of gun owners. Why would you want a registry of gun owners? So you know where they are so you can seize them. Phil, that's a conspiracy theory. That's not legit. There's a thing called red flag laws. I'll talk about that in a minute. It says, beginning in April of 2023, that's this year, coming up next month, Discover will become the first credit card 
to issue to, to track gun purchases made by their cardholders. On September 11th, 2022, Breitbart News did point out that Visa had already caved into pressure from gun control groups and was agreeing to flag gun and ammo purchases. But the very first one out the gate that intends to actually put it into effect is Discover. There's 55 million Discover cards in usage around the nation right now. What that basically means is this. When you go into a store and you make a purchase, apparently within the, uh, uh, the, the, the credit card world, they just lump them into categories, lump them into categories, lump them into categories, retail, car purchase, pay the bill with it for the utility, whatever. Innocuous. It's just a, it's just a data processing thing. But then now there's going to be a brand new code, a brand new code within the International Organization for Standardization that's going to recognize when this code is used in a gun sale or ammunition sale. Hmm. Pray tell, why would that be? Why do you need that? Why do you have to track who bought ammo? Why, why, why do you want... So they can start watching for what they are terming red flags. So let's say someone's a competition shooter and they buy 5,000 rounds of 5.56. 5,000 rounds, what's going on? We need to check him out. And they come and knock on your door. It's already happening. There have already been cases where people have had a knock on their door and they've been asked to produce the firearms they purchased so they can verify they're still there. What? Yeah. I mean, you can go online and watch the video of the guy with the ring doorbell who recorded the police officers who were a little embarrassed, but they had been sent out to verify that he actually had the firearms that he had purchased. How'd you know I purchased them? Well, we, um, <clears throat> we, were, we were given the information you had purchased it, but I'm, I'm not a criminal. Well, we just need to see, sir, that you got them, please. Kid you not. No warrant. Knock on the door. Hey, you bought guns. So? Don't I have a right to do that? I cleared the background check, which was already an issue. So right now what you've got is Discover Card is the first of what's soon to be almost all of the cards, I'm sure, is flagging gun and ammo purchases. Red flag laws are also designed for certain states. Alabama's not one of them. But certain states are going to get involved in the idea of deciding who should and should not be allowed to purchase based upon somebody's notion of a red flag in their life. You know, that guy's a little creepy. Let's put a red flag on him. You know, that one over there, well, <clears throat> they say he might have some PTSD from his time in the military. Red flag. You know, that one over there, well, I just don't like the way he dresses. Red flag. Ah, Phil, you're oversimplifying. Am I? Am I really? Because if you've got people like David Hogg saying that the Constitution doesn't really say what it says, even though the Supreme Court's already said what it says. And now you've got this. Story from Politico. Politico? Phil, did you go to Politico? Yes, I did. Just 30 days ago. A coalition of major gun safety groups is pressing President Joe Biden to appoint a gun czar and declare a national emergency over gun violence. This is not, by the way, this is not a right-wing conspiracy blog post. This is a left-wing Politico, because Politico loves this. So I'm going to them, the left, to find out what them are saying, and them are saying that a coalition of major gun safety groups, they call it gun safety groups, it's gun control, Gun Safety Groups is pressing President Joe Biden to appoint a gun czar and declare a national emergency. 
a national emergency. Why would we do that? Well, have you not learned anything through COVID? When you declare a national emergency, it means you can do anything you want to, apparently. When you declare a national emergency, you can open the floodgates at the southern border. When you declare a national emergency, you can, um, you can decide that you can pay off everybody's student loans. When you declare a national emergency, uh, you can put vaccine mandates on people. When you declare a national emergency, you can have spending like nobody's business. Well, when you declare a national emergency for gun violence, what does that do? Well, if you have a gun czar, if you have red flag laws, if you have credit cards keeping track of who bought them, the gun czar with the national emergency declaration can do all kinds of stuff. Says the coalition of 117 organizations also called for a series of executive actions and for the White House to detail how it plans to implement the historic gun legislation that the president signed into law last year. And then he goes on to talk about all the wonderful things that Biden has done to curtail your Second Amendment rights. Folks, I'm going to tell you, this is legit, man. They cannot control themselves. Live free or die. I'm just saying, if they, if they, if they are, and here's the other thing. Well, Phil, I mean, I'm not a big gun person anyway. I don't have a lot of firearms. Doesn't matter to me. I mean, doesn't matter to me. Really? If they can curtail one of your constitutional liberties, then which ones can they come after next? If they can say you actually don't have a right to bear arms, despite the fact the Constitution says so, then maybe you don't have a right to freedom of speech. If they can curtail your civil liberties under the Second Amendment, then maybe your Fourth Amendment rights to um, you know, due process are going to be curtailed. Because apparently if you can curtail one, they're all in question at that point. All right, Boomer, let's take a break, buddy. We'll take that last break of the day. We'll come right back and put a lid on this one for a whole week. We just had a whole week of Right Side Radio. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you want to catch a part of the show again, go to our website or any podcasting source in the world and just type in Right Side Radio. You can be one of the 122,000-plus who are downloading the show after the fact. Plus, there's also The Right Life with Boomer and McQueen. You need to check it out. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain. Who do you love? That was that one, George Thorogood. There's, you got all the bumps going on, man. Yes, that's two Thorogoods you had today. You've had some, you've had some Zeppelin, some Thorogood. Uh, what else did you have? You had some, some Clapton. Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers. Mm-hmm. Dang, boom. Some good ones. Yeah. My, my generation is, is loving your bump music, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, hey, listen, um, ZLA Solutions. So let me just do this real quick. ZLA Solutions, they have been with us, man, since the beginning, the, the day the show went on the air, uh, well over a year and a half ago. And, um, and, and, and they've even expanded their advertising with us because they believe in what we're doing and we believe in who they are. So ZLA Solutions, 
at ZLAUSA.com. What do they do? They provide all kinds of business end solutions. I mean, they can do things like help you with your logistics, your warehousing, sorting and containment, quality control, all of it. But their bread and butter is still staffing, meaning that they can help you find the people you need for your job sites. Doesn't matter whether it's onesies and twosies with special niche skills or whether it's going to be a whole shift of people, they're there for you. ZLA Solutions can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing, all of it. And it doesn't matter whether it's blue collar, white collar, or no collar, I always say. So ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. That's their website. Check them out. Tell them you heard about it on the Right Side Radio. And, and, the, and the cool thing is how many people are telling them they heard about it on the Right Side Radio. I love that. Um, and, and, and let me just say this. Boomer reminded me earlier that I need to point out, if you want to advertise your business on Right Side Radio, please understand we are a separate business. We are a standalone organization. Uh, we are a syndicated show, meaning that we centralize our production in-house and send it out to all the stations that we're on. So if you want to advertise with us, we have the deal to sell our own advertising. And technically, that's a big part of how we thrive or stay alive as a business. So if you want to advertise your bid, if you believe in what Right Side Radio is doing, and you want to advertise your business, we would love to talk to you. You can go to the website, rightsideradio.org. There's a place on there where it says Advertising and Contact. Click on it, send us a message, and we will get back in touch with you ASAP. We had one just the other night that emailed us during the show. Boomer forwarded over to uh, our sales folks. They contacted the, 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 the potential new client like before the show was even over. So that's how quickly we can get to you. And so, yeah, just text us, let us know. We would love to talk to you about advertising on Right Side Radio. Well, this has been some more kind of a week, man. And the and the and the the the, the, the text lines just went boom. So they they did. And I don't know if you saw it. There, it's way down on the text thread now. I think that four or five people said, "You know what? I think I need to go to Just Love Coffee tonight since I don't have power." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So there it was. Yeah, check it out. Um, and ch check their hours, though, because they had to adjust their hours recently. I know they're open for breakfast and lunch, and they, they may or may not be open for dinner at the moment. But um, And John from Huntsville just says, Phil, my power just came back up. Hallelujah. So there you go. Good good for you, John. Uh, we got a brand-new listener who says, keep up the good work. Don't know who you are. You can tell us what your name is yet, so tell us that so we can give you a shout-out. But we appreciate the, uh, the, uh, the, the kudos there. Jim from Madison says, if the cops or DEA show up, you're under no obligation to answer any questions and should direct them to leave your property. And he is correct. Um, in fact, the, the, the video that's out there right now of a guy having um, law enforcement show up at his door, he was cooperative. I mean, he wasn't rude. He said, sir, why, why are we doing this? And the guy was kind of sheepish. Uh, sir, I just, um, I need to verify that the guns you purchased are actually in your possession. They were not a straw man purchase. And so the guy said, well, I, I don't care. I'll show you. So they did. They thanked him and left. But, folks, that's creepy. It's not supposed to happen that way. Um, and he's right. Uh, you're, you're under no obligation. I would encourage you, cooperate. Most law enforcement, they don't like doing that kind of thing anyway. But, but just understand this. You have rights. And if you're creeped out by it, you, you have rights. Um, JT from Lacey Springs says, The guns are har-har. We have a border czar. That was a toilet flush. <laughs> yeah, I get it. The problem is they don't care about the border. That's why it had no teeth. But in this case, they do want our guns. So I do not want to see a gun czar. By the way, there shouldn't. If that, if we're going to do that, then are they going to have a free speech czar? Are They're the, going to have a czar for everything. Yeah, what, what a czar can we have? Let's have a voting rights czar. 
Let's have a um, uh, due process czar. Let's have a freedom of religion czar. <laughs> yeah, the only reason why they'd have a czar is to control it. Because um, I guarantee you that czar is not going to be there to help us maintain our Second Amendment freedoms. Uh, Jason from Huntsville says, No, what's crazy is the left is driving the populace in the opposite direction of their idea of gun control. Every time they pull a stunt like this, millions of us uh, want to buy more firearms. And it's true. It's true. Uh, like Smith & Wesson or Ruger, to name a few, um, or buy stock and firearms companies like Smith & Wesson or Ruger, he says, to name a few. So I know just in the last year or two, we've bought at least a dozen new firearms because of all the crap they've been pushing regarding the farce of gun control. Appreciate you, Jason. All right, you guys. Well, listen, what a great week this was. We got some good interviews laid on for you next week. Legislature goes into session. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll see you Monday. Thank you.